0: good morning everybody hello to Alma and to online and to Mount Pleasant if that's not an anxiety producing video I don't know what is yuck welcome to uh, our brand new series for this fall help Uh, what a great word for me one of the perhaps bullseye target words of the gospel is the word help it's this unavoidable reality that at some stage in your life, you need to look towards the heavens and go, help. The gospel quite clearly says, if you think you are a fool, if you think that I can fix this, I can put it back together, I can mend this thing, I can patch it up, you, you, are, you are going down the wrong road. And the bullseye of the target, there comes this moment in every one of our lives when we look and we cry out to the heavens, I actually need help, God. The other wonderful thing about this word help is not only do we, are we a people who need help, but there's also a tremendous sense of purpose that gets deposited into every single one of our lives. As people who have been on the receiving end of help, God says, now I'm going to set you up in a position where I want you to help other people. I'm actually going to place my spirit in your life. You've been uh, on the receiving end of grace and help. Now I want you to be a channel of grace and help for other people, and that's gonna be a part of your life. So over the next seven weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some very concrete and specific areas and bring God's heart and bring God's word to bear into some of those areas. One of which is what we're gonna be talking about today is anxiety. Observation from myself, from my particular seat in life, uh, over the last 18 months in particular, I have noticed um, what I would simply describe as some mental health and some social help issues that seem to be just uh, climaxing to this crescendo of need, almost to the point of crisis, if not certainly at a point of crisis. And there's nothing new about any of these things. They've always been around since the beginning of time, since mankind has turned its back on God. But it seems to me, just from my seat in life, that over the last 18 months, I've just I just hear about it a whole lot more, and I've had opportunity to sit down and talk with people who are like, man, I am in the thick of these things. So let me know if any of these things sound familiar to you. These are just my observations. You might be sitting here and just say, yeah, that absolutely rings a bell as well. So here's some of the things we're going to be taking a look at. Anxiety, fear, isolation, depression, and increase in family strife and difficulty and brokenness, relational conflict, as well as people living with pain and people moving to a place of despair. Now, I know that that all sounds miserable and horrible, but actually, even as I say those words today, um, I have a tremendous sense of hope. And what I want to challenge us as a church and as a people of God is that despite those words which sound ugly and miserable and painful and difficult, We are a people who put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ, amen? And so those words, although sometimes even hard to hear and then even harder to endure and to experience, today we position ourselves and we posture ourselves with our eyes on the one who is king over all of those things. And so I actually want to call you to faith. Now you may be already sitting here today and you might be saying, you know what, one of those words described me to a T. You might be saying, All of those words describe me to a T. Or I know somebody, and that is them right now. And I want to challenge you, despite that reality, to now fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. If God is for us, who can be against us? That was a question for you guys. If God is for us, who can be against us? And so think about these words. If God is for me, can depression be against me? Well, here's what I would say to that. I have to say, with faith that I, I believe my God is bigger than depression. I believe that my God is stronger than anxiety and panic attacks. And I don't belittle those things. I recognize that they exist and they happen in our lives. But I have to declare with faith today that Jesus Christ is bigger and stronger than each of those things. Church, can I say to you today that if you're not okay, and if I've already described you this morning, that it's okay not to be okay. And this is not a place where we demand perfection. In fact, you've come to the right place because you've come to a place where I think there is safety and security where together we can actually say, help. God, I have this going on in my life or I have somebody that I actually love and someone I'm close to in my life and, and they have that going on in their life. God, help. And as a family of God, we would say, man, those are words that should be quick to come to our lips as we cry out to God. So, Today, I want to lean into this idea of anxiety. And let me challenge you, if I can, right out of the gate. Some of you have been coexisting with anxiety for a long time, maybe, maybe for just way too long. And today, God is calling you with faith to move towards new life and healing. Some of you, and I've heard this, talk about anxiety and even some of the other things that we've just mentioned and we'll cover over the next few weeks, things like depression and isolation and pain. I've heard people talk about them in a way that reminds me of the way a person would talk about their little pet, like a pet dog. And what I mean by that is... If I were to ask you today to open up your wallet and pull out an identification card, like a, like a driver's license or something like that, you would look at it and you would say, okay, there's my image, that looks. that's me, and there's my name and my date of birth and my address. Here are the basic things that would cover kind of who I am and where I am in life. And what I hear so often from so many people is this common language of, well, you know, my depression doesn't allow me to... Uh, I, I have fears in my life and my fears, I couldn't possibly, well, you know, sometimes I struggle and I, and I really panic and, and, and my worry that I have in my life, it really causes me to, and I just want to go, hang on a second, and I don't know if you've noticed a common theme in just these simple examples, but in all of those, who had ownership and belonging to those things? You were certainly claiming them over yourself. My depression, my fear. And it's as though you're pulling out an identification card and you're saying, this is who I am. And there's a picture of you and right underneath it, you're saying, on my card, it says anxiety. That is my identification. And again, I want to challenge you right out of the gate here today. That is not your identity if you are found in Jesus Christ. Amen? That is not your identity. If you are found in Jesus Christ, you pull out that card and it says, son or daughter of the living God. That is your identity. And we pull out this card, and sometimes we use it, I think, as a victim, as a crutch, as a I don't have to, or I don't want to, or I can't. And God is saying, I have called you to so much more than this. So don't miss a week. And please, I mentioned this last week, and I will say it again. For those of you who have loved ones and friends, and you are so aware, keenly aware, I know they're struggling, I want you to get inviting and bring them back. And I don't want you to miss a week. I hope that this is transformational, new life and healing into each of our hearts and our lives. Matthew chapter 6, let's take a look at what Jesus has to say about anxiety. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. These are common Middle Eastern ancient concerns. For for some of us today, you would say, "I'm I'm not worried about what I wear. Now, there are certainly people in our culture today who would worry about their next meal, But my guess is many people here don't worry about these things, but these would be common um, descriptors of what individuals are struggling at at this time. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And this is so key to the scripture. I hope today you walk out of here with such a big head because the counterpart to anxiety is to know your value in Christ, to understand the unbelievable worth that God sees you with. Can any one of you, such a great question, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Can we actually answer that? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And yet, cognitively, we say, I get that, but emotionally and experientially, we are like, I will turn my brain off and I will engage with panic attacks and anxiety and, and, and worry in my life. I will embrace that. I will say yes to that. I will hold that up as my ID. Verse 28. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you? And there's the challenge. It is, it's it's going to be about faith. You have little faith. So do not worry saying, what am I going to eat? What do I drink? What do I wear? Pagans run after these things. So these are individuals who would have zero biblical worldview, zero faith, zero eyes on Jesus Christ. They're asking and worrying and fretting about these things. Surely there must be a distinction. Yet our heavenly Father knows that you need them, And here it is, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So this is the order of priority for you who are anxious today. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Is this true? For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I have an amen on that? It does seem that way, doesn't it? So Jesus is specifically talking about anxiety and worry. How kind is this Messiah? The very thing that you and I face in life. Jesus addresses it, and what's quite clear to me is that he is not a big fan of anxiety. He certainly acknowledges it. He doesn't have his head in the sand. He knows that it's a real thing. But I would suggest to you today from the Scripture that Jesus has set himself against and opposed to anxiety. You see, worry is not your friend. It will always try to get you to live in a future that you cannot control. It will always try to cause you to miss the present where you could be filled with gratitude. I'm going to say that again. Worry will cause you to live in the future that you can never control. It will cause you to miss living in this moment, the present, where you could be living with tremendous gratitude. Worry is insatiable. You will never get to the point in your life where you say, I finally reached the end destination of worry. I filled up my quota of worry. Worry will always beckon you and ask you, worry more. It is the insatiable appetite of a treadmill. It will never, ever stop. And you will worry for the rest of your life. Worry is relentlessly joy-killing. You're not going to have enough. I'm not going to make it. I don't think they're going to like me. They're not going to like what I did. The bubble is going to burst. I've had something good happen to me. Something bad's bound to happen to me next. You're just a disappointment to people. I'm concerned that I'm not going to succeed. What if it doesn't happen? What if things don't work for me? Worry will get you to say these words, but what if, but what if, but what if? What if that goes wrong? What if that goes bad? But what if I don't do it well enough? Worry, and look at this. I want you to take the word, but what if, and, and compare it to the scripture in Philippians chapter four. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Worry will cause you to not say that scripture, not speak that truth, not believe it, and not have faith in that, and only what will come out of your mouth is, but what if, but what if, but what if? Worry will cause you to say, If only. If only I had. It's filled with regret. If only, then I would have been prepared. And for tomorrow, worry will cause you to speak like this. And look at the truth 1 Thessalonians 5 in all things give thanks. If you are constantly saying, if only you will be unable and paralyzed to actually, in all things, (laughs) in all things, all things. So even the trouble that we looked at in Matthew chapter 6, it said, tomorrow's going to have some trouble in it. Yes, even in that, God, I'm going to say, thank you for this day that you've given me. I'm not even joking you. This is ridiculous. Several weeks ago, I was talking to Kelly, and I said, Kelly, I'm doing a sermon, and and the words came out of my mouth. I'm not even joking you. I said, Kelly, I'm kind of worried about this sermon. And she looked at me. What what are you talking about? (laughs) It's sneaky. Worry is sneaky. I was worried about this moment talking to you about worry because you have worry in your life. (laughs) Ridiculous. Worry is sneaky. It will sneak up on you. It will nag you. It will not. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? That's what it will do. It will be a constant in your life. It will never stop picking away, taking little bites out of you. And I want to go so far as today, I want to say I think Jesus hates worry. I think he hates it. I think he hates what it does to you. I think he hates, I hates it because it makes us small. It makes us selfish and timid and mean and it chokes joy and it kills dreams and it steals our days one hour at a time. Jesus hates worry but he loves worriers. Praise God for that. He hates worry but he loves worriers. He loves you today, even if you're sitting here to, and you're looking at your ID card thinking, oh gosh, I might need to tear this one up because it says, here's my picture, and underneath it says anxious. And if you're sitting here today and you're like, I'm an anxious person, Jesus loves you. It's okay not to be okay. You're in the right place. Help. Help, God. And you need to hear this. Jesus had great compassion on people who worried. And maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's chronic worry. Maybe it's panic attacks in your life. Maybe those are crushing enemies for you. Maybe even other people make you feel bad because you have those thoughts and those emotions. Maybe even you've been in church or spiritual circles where people have sort of said, well, you need to get your act together. And if you really believe in Jesus, then you'll never do that. And can I just say to you, wait a second, let's not add guilt on top of what's already going on in your life. Let's just not do that because I want to tell you that you're loved by Jesus, even if you're anxious even if you're full of worry. I want to describe to you an intersection this morning. It's a four-way intersection. The first two directions of this intersection is your past and your future. Every single person here obviously has a past. And you will remember your past either with tremendous gratitude or with tremendous regret. That's what we'll do with our past. Every one of us has an anticipation about the future. What will happen tomorrow, next month, or 10 years down the road? And you will do that either with tremendous hope, or you will do that with tremendous fear. And you live in that intersection of your past and your future. Two other crossroads in this intersection, and that is, and this one is quite obvious, you'll know this immediately, you live in the reality of your experience. And what I mean by that is what happens to you in your normal life. The places that you go, the people that you meet, the problems that you face, the conflicts that you deal with, the bills that you pay, the car that you drive in when you go from A to B. The normal stuff that you encounter in your life, that is the intersection of your life where you live. You you are there right now and you will be there tomorrow. But that is a very seen place. The other section of this intersection is very hidden. And it is in the context of your normal experience and what you encounter, there is something else and it's very hidden. It's what happens in here and therefore what happens in here. Your thoughts and your resulting emotions and your response to them. And that is where we live. You live at the intersection of your past and your future. Of the external reality of what you encounter and experience and then the thoughts that you have and the beliefs that you have around that and how you respond to that emotionally to that I would say to you the only place that you can find God is in the present is in actually this moment right here regret will try to make you live in the past anxiety will try to make you live in the future, but God God calls you to this moment. It is a gift to you. I think it's why it's called the present. God's response to what is going on in your experience, the reality of your external experience, that which you encounter and experience is this. Here's what he says to you. Here's here's my response to you to, to the everyday experience of your life. I'm sending my son Jesus Christ to live into that too. And here's his response to what goes on inside of your head and inside of your emotions. He invites you this day to shalom. He invites you this day to the peace which passes all understanding of your past and your future and your present experience. The present experience which Jesus Christ himself entered into. Verse 25, he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. I see the exact intersection of your life. Don't worry, not because it's unpleasant. And is it unpleasant? Yes, it is. I don't know anyone that enjoys worrying. Don't worry, not because it's bad for your body. And is it bad for your body? It's tremendously bad for your physical body. It will make you sick. Don't worry. And here's why. Because... This world in which you live and in which you think and respond. This is a God-created, God-breathed, God-watched, God-loved world. And he says to you, in all seriousness, it's actually like, really, God? He says to you, here's my example. I want you to look at the birds. (laughs) Really? That's the solution to this? Yep. Luke chapter 12, he says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. The Cullens have a family pet. It is a bird. His name is Chewy because that's a biblical name from the book of Star Wars. (laughs) And the reason why we have Chewy, our little bird, who is in our living room right now, is because my son, Sean, my eldest boy, um, demanded a pet. And he wanted a dog or a turtle or a reptile. So we got a bird because I'm a big, mean dad. And I think they're a whole lot less work. So, But he was eager, and when he got the bird, he was thrilled with the bird, and the whole family loved the bird. And Chewy is a great little bird. Chewy can talk, and he has several sentences that he says, and he can say little words, and uh, Chewy will blow you kisses. If you say kiss, he will go, and, and sometimes he kisses himself. He's in there by himself, and he goes, kiss, and then he does a he does kiss sound. I'm like, okay. He's looking in the mirror when he does it, too. I'm slightly concerned about him. That's our little bird, Chewy the bird. And uh, we love him, kind of. Because what's happened over the course of time is, kids, you gotta clean the the cage and you gotta put in fresh water. And have you, you know, whose week is it? You gotta change the food every day. And then Chewie's favorite habit at the end of the evening, when we're all just relaxed and we're sitting down and we're gonna watch a little bit of telly, and there we all are, and the bird decides in that given moment, I want attention. And he doesn't sing, he squawks incessantly. And my son is on the couch and you can just see him, he's like, (sighs) He's like ready to strangle the bird. And there was one day where my son, Sean, who wanted a pet so badly, there he was, cleaning the cage, scraping off you-know-what, and he turns around, he had this look of focus on his face. This boy who demanded to have a pet, he turns around and he says, hey, Dad. I said, yes, Sean, Sean, what is it? He said, how long do birds live? (laughs) That's a true story. Jesus, believe it or not, is kind of saying something similar. He's actually saying in Luke chapter 12, you can get two of them for a penny. I I think the point of it is this. I don't really know anybody, particularly in the Cullen household, who places immense value on a meager little bird. It's just a bird. And this is Christ's example. uh, Scripture is telling us that God says, my eye is on every single one of these tiny little creatures not one of them are forgotten that's how God cares for a bird Now here's this truth of value how much more worth and care is extended to you it's just a bird what is your value if we could put a price tag on you what would it say Biblically speaking, I can think of only one answer to that question. The value of your life is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness. And if you can grasp that, here's what it does to worry. It just pounds it into the ground. What am I fretting about? What am I anxious about? Wait a second. The value of my life, and God sees every measly little bird, the value of my life is at the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. That does something, and it impacts panic attacks and anxiety and worry. Now, that might all be well and fine. But if you're here today, and your attitude, even as I'm speaking right now, is... Pictures of birds and grass, that's all lovely. But I'm not feeling it. All I feel is worry and anxiety. I'm petrified. Because in my real world out there, and in my real experience here and here, it's just very difficult. And it's very different to what you're describing. I find it incredibly difficult to live in the moment with God because I am consumed with the fear of tomorrow, with anxiety about that. Because here's what life has taught me. My justification for worry about tomorrow is well-placed. My anxiety about what could go wrong is about 100% accurate on my track record. I ought to be worried. I should be anxious because life has taught me a lesson. Tomorrow is full of trouble. And I ought to be worried. I ought to be petrified. And if you're here today, pastor, to tell me, don't worry and pat me on the head and tell me everything's going to be okay, that's just not going to cut it. And can I say to you today that that is not God's heart for you and that is not what is in the word of God. That's not what it is. It isn't everything's going to be fine. Just stop worrying. God does not have his head in the sand. He would know. He lived here and he experienced it himself to the point of sweating blood. God's word is not dishing out sage cookie advice for some fairy tale existence. Look at what John chapter 16, 33, we already read this. In this world you will have what? In this world you will have trouble. The Bible's head is not in the sand. I'm actually very glad that's in the Bible. If the Bible just tried to describe to me and tell me that my experience as a follower of Christ was just going to be rose petals, I think I would lose faith in the Word of God. We read earlier, Matthew chapter 6, each day is going to have enough trouble of its own. And we got a great big rowdy amen. You see, in the context of anxiety about tomorrow, God draws you into anxiety. This moment with Him. Not the past and not the future. He draws you into this moment in Him. In the context of the truth of your real experience. What you actually encounter and experience. And what goes through your mind and your resulting emotions that come from that. God insists that if you would share that with me. If you would say this word, God I need your help. And you might need to say it many times. God help me. Help me today. Help me tomorrow. Help me in this hour. He says if you would give that to me. Actually worry will... As a result, become less and less of a priority to you as you see your great worth in Jesus Christ. There is a spiritual exchange, and I don't even know that I understand it completely. He says, if you will give it to me, there will be a spiritual exchange that takes place as you begin to let go of worry, as you call out to me, and as you see your great worth. Look at these scriptures, John chapter 16. I've told you these things so that you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Anyone glad for that? Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present, what? An ever-present help in trouble. Philippians chapter 4, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That causes me to go, really? I mean, that's a stretch, God. I have to have faith that this truth is greater than the truth of my anxiety about tomorrow. Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 23, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And Romans chapter eight, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, I really like that, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so ultimately, and I recognize this is a a slice of the picture, but I, I do need to say this. Ultimately, ultimately, eternally, you need to know this. All will be well. Your need for a good future has been placed into the hands of the God who holds the future. And this is what Jesus says. You have to choose whether or not you're going to believe or not believe his claim. Things are not just better than you you think. They are actually infinitely better than you think. Things are not just going to turn out well. They're going to turn out indescribably, inconceivably well. And pain and suffering and injustice and death will not just be redeemed. They will be gloriously, creatively redeemed. They will be redeemed without exception. Now, if you're ready to give life without worry a try, I have an invitation for you. And it is not the old song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Because that's a pat on the head, right? Actually, that advice, do you know what that does to people? It crushes people. Just don't worry. Just stop being anxious. That crushes people. That's not the heart of God, and that's not the Word of God. You cannot stop worrying by trying really hard to stop worrying. Worrying is not a sin. People may choose to disobey God. Greed, lust, pride, deceit. But nobody says, I'm going to sort of shake my fist at the heavens and be anxious. Nobody does that. If you wrestle with worry, I don't want you to add guilt to it today. Here's the invitation. Matthew 6 want you to seek first the kingdom of god and my righteousness make it your top priority to get in on what is on what god is doing and allow his goodness to shape your character I dare you to study God and love God and follow God and serve God and think about God and be preoccupied with God and surrender to God and give like God gives and to find Him in the moment of your life, to see Him in each person's face, to hear His voice around you, to watch Him, yes, even with birds and flowers and grass and to rearrange your strategy for living around this remarkable opportunity to follow Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at a quote from a fellow by the name of Dallas Will. And I want to read it again. There is no problem in human life that apprenticeship to Jesus Christ cannot solve. So when you are seized by panic and you are gripped by stressed out anxiety, when you honestly don't want to face what you think might come tomorrow, even though you know you can't control it and you know it doesn't make any sense to do it, this is the moment, and here it is, guys, where you say, Jesus, my ultimate goal in this panicked, anxious, filled moment is to say, How would you live my life if you were in my shoes right now? Help me to do that. That's what you do. That's actually following Christ in your normal life. That's how you do it on a day-to-day basis. And I invite you in this moment, even though all that is happening to you externally, all of the thoughts and the reactive emotions that are coming your way, to simply say to your God, help me. And you can do that every day. You can do that every hour. You can do that moment by moment. Matthew 6, he actually says, like, give me my daily bread. I think it's more than just physical nutrition. God, today, again, help. So at this intersection, not the past and not the future, beyond just the external reality of trouble that we all know and our thoughts and beliefs and our reaction to that, where we become overwhelmed. We think the answer to anxiety is to make less bad things happen to us. (laughs) How's that going for you? Does it work? It doesn't work. Weather forecast according to the Bible. The weather forecast today brought to you by the Bible today trouble. And tomorrow, trouble. That's what the Bible says. And we're trying to arrange our lives to say, no trouble. That's not the way forward. If I become a Christian, I follow Jesus. He's going to make everything great and I'm going to be fine. And as long as I believe hard enough and I just try to stop, 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 stop being anxious, everything's going to be fine. No. Today, trouble. Tomorrow, trouble. That's his prediction. And Jesus says, take me by the hand. Let's do this together. How many of you over the course of the, course of the last 18 months, give me an honesty on this, at home and in Alma and in Mount Pleasant, particularly with this pandemic, would say, honestly, give me a hands up on this. I, I was worried. I was actually worried. There were occasions in my life where I was worried. Yeah. That's about 90% of this room that I'm looking at. I, I was worried about Kelly's parents. I worried about my mom a bit. I worried about some people in this church that I know who are a little frail and have some medical stuff going on. I was a bit worried. People worried for more reasons than just that. Job and money and and children and all, all of it. Let me say this to you. What does this God who came to earth and sweat blood in the night say to an anxious soul? I see you. You are of great worth to me. I see your concerns. I see the panic attacks. I see what makes you anxious. I see how it causes you to pull back and to think the worst. I see how it weighs on you, how it affects your thinking and your emotions. And I love you anyway. Ultimately, I will bring you to a day where you never, ever have to worry about that again. But until that day, you will encounter trouble. But I invite you to live moment by moment with me, where in any given day there can be real difficulty. I invite you to let go of a lifetime habit of unproductive worry and to move towards joyful confidence in God. And those are the two choices. You can walk out of here today with two choices. Number one, you can move towards worry and panic and anxiety. Number two, you can move towards joyful confidence in God. So here's your homework. I've actually already stated it. I'm going to say it again. I really want to land this if I can. As you live on the crossroads of the past and the present, your true experience and what you think and how you respond emotionally, And you will be drawn within five minutes of leaving this place to move once again towards anxiety. Here's what I want you to do instead. I want you to sprint full speed to the Father. And I want you to say, help, out loud, help me God. I want you to say, God, I don't want anxiety, I want joyful confidence in you. And in that moment, I want you to ask this question, if Jesus were living in my shoes, What would he do right now? God, help me to do that. And I want you to replace that as a lifetime habit, an alternative go-to. Instead of every time you embraced worry, I want you to embrace that action instead. Okay, we're going to pray. And I'm going to do a prayer where I'm going to say a line. And then I want you to repeat this after me, okay? So good and loud, Alma, online and Mount Pleasant. God, my past belongs to you a little bit louder. I will not live in shame and regret. regret. My future belongs to you. you. I will not live in anxiety and worry. I worry. I I I will ask you for help when I'm in trouble. I will ask you for help when I want to go back to worry. Help me to move towards joyful confidence in you. Amen. Amen. Church, it's okay not to be okay. You are loved by the living God.